will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And uh, if you don't know Portuguese, you probably wouldn't get the beginning before we started, but uh, it's my favorite line from Incredible Hulk, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. Um, so, you know, if you haven't been familiar with the film, I wanted, felt like it needed to be explained. Um, but this week, we're continuing on with our MCU franchise review with the next in release date order of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, but before we just dive into it, introduce everyone who's here. Leslie's here again. Hello. I'm good. And we're rejoined by Pat. Pat, how's it going? Going well. I was going to say, they, they can't see you put a thumbs up. <laughs> I couldn't see the thumbs up. I pretend that they can see it. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll be good once we get everything settled and in for you know recording on YouTube at some point. Uh, even though we move, I move slower than a turtle. But uh, as people probably have figured out, uh, you know, Leslie and I forewarned in one of the previous episodes that we were getting into peak season, and peak season got a little bit uh, earlier this year so that's why there hasn't been an episode the past two weeks because it's been bananas right leslie oh yes <laughs> all right so uh also before we start jumping into incredible hulk we did want to kind of talk briefly about the eternals teaser trailer 
if you even want to call it a teaser. Um, so I'm going to hand it off to you, Leslie. Uh, give us your thoughts on, on the trailer. Um, you know, visually, it's really interesting. And that's pretty much about it for me. <laughs> like, I know absolutely nothing about these characters. The, I mean, it only makes me ask questions. If they've been here the whole time, why haven't they been involved? You know, what have they been doing? What are they going to do now? You know, otherwise, I, I can't really think of anything that's like, I have to go see this movie. It's just like, well, that was a cool visual, you know, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, and Pat, you just watched the trailer right before recording. So uh, I know you probably don't have more of an informed thought mm -hmm. process on it. Not at all. It, I, I wish there was something that made me want to be like, oh, hey, I want to go see this, but there really wasn't that moment in the trailer for me. But maybe they'll do another one. They usually do two. Yeah, two to three trailers. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty much my opinion as well. Uh, there there was no hook. You know, there was no hook with the trailer that's that makes me want to like be like, oh, OK, this is this is what this is going to deal with. Uh, I don't like the idea that they're helping to advance humanity, but they also don't get involved with humanity. Like, so that seems counterintuitive to me, because if you're helping this species evolve and advance when Thanos comes and like wipes out half of it, like you don't get involved, you know, and <laughs> you don't have an opinion. <laughs> and I'm also kind of concerned. And I've heard a couple other people raise this concern, too, is there's like six characters that they're introducing in this one film. And if there's one thing we've, uh, you know, kind of learned from like the DCEU, you just don't throw in a whole bunch of characters without time to grow. You know, even though I haven't been as much of a, a critic of how the DCEU has been handling character introductions, I can understand kind of why, for lack of a better term, a normie audience would not uh, not like that where they're just throwing you into the water. Um, so this, this trailer is like, you got all these characters, you don't know who their names are. Uh, you don't know exactly, you get an idea of some of their powers, but we, we don't know what they're doing, why they've been here, where they're going. Um, why they even care at the, at the end where they get the typical Marvel joke about who's going to lead the Avengers now. Um, and like all of is, is all of the movie going to be everything from the beginning of time leading up to post in game, or are we getting that in like snippets and then we're jumping to the present time, or are we going to be jumping back and forth? Like there's just no real idea of, of what's going on here. And I, I told you this Leslie, but I, I know you disagree with me a little bit. Um, this is a concerning trait that I'm starting to see a little bit with the MCU trailers, at least for their films where there feels like there's a kind of a lack of direction or a lack of an idea of where this is going or where this is going to fit in. Didn't feel that as much with Shang-Chi, but it was, I felt like it was starting there. And I think it kind of was heightened a little bit with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, and this trailer uh, does concern me. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean like Black Widow won't do well or that Shang-Chi won't do well, or Spider-Man's going to do great. Doctor Strange 2 is going to do great. Uh, Thor is going to do great. Uh, the Guardians, like that, that's, we know that those are going to be probably pretty good and will help advance story because they've got that established uh, base already. But 
introducing something like the internal it, it, the Eternals into the MCU and feeling that lack of direction uh, or thought process uh, or planning out seems a little worrying. Uh, I don't know, because at this point, I feel like unless you're a super deep cut fan, you know, like you have been following Marvel and the comics and everything from day one or, you know, you really know everything, you know, all the characters and every random little side character. I feel like we're starting to get to the point where the majority of us aren't familiar with characters anymore. And I feel I feel like that lack of direction or maybe that kind of just kind of I don't know where this is going to go is is kind of how everybody else has been feeling the whole time since Iron Man. You know, so I think we're just kind of in territory where we don't know what's really going to happen. We're not as familiar with the storyline. And now we're kind of in the same boat as everybody else was like 13 years ago. Uh, it could very well be. I mean, I know I I was a little bit worried with Guardians of the Galaxy because uh, I wasn't as familiar with those characters. Um, but at the same time, that was also when I was collecting comics and Marvel was really good at when they're about to launch a new franchise in the films that they either relaunch a book or launch a new book and and retool those characters or their origins. So they kind of are make it more accessible to normie audiences. Uh, you know, if like you're if you and I are, are kind of like, oh, I don't know about these characters, you better believe there's going to be an Eternals comic book coming out in the next month or so. That's yeah. going to be like that entry point for people who haven't um, haven't been introduced to these characters before. Um, so I guess that's just kind of our thoughts on the trailer. It, it underwhelmed is kind of where I really feel it's just like like you said, the visuals look great. I'm sure the acting is going to be pretty spot on because you've got a very good cast. You got Salma Hayek, you got Angelina Jolie, Kamal Nujani, uh, Kit Harrington, um, and, you know, all uh, Jimma Chan. Uh, so you've got a very good cast for it. Uh, I'm just worried that we might start reaching that bloated point. Um, so with that said, let's go ahead and switch gears. Now, Pat was not here for our first episode. I don't know if he'll be here for all of the MCU franchise review stuff, but um, Pat, just give us brief thoughts about Iron Man. Like, what did you think about it uh, at the time you saw it or how do you feel about it or now or, you know, whatever, whatever you feel. Oh, man. So when I first saw it, I mean, it was awesome. Right. Like, it was definitely one of those things where I thought, hey, they're going to like continue doing more of these and it's going to expand. I, I never thought that it would get to the point where we're at now when it first came out. But I was like, hey, we might see other characters. We'll, it, it will just kind of like spin off into something. Right. And then we got what we got. <laughs> Yeah. And if you because, uh, I mean, I know you haven't probably rewatched in a while. If you could give it a score just based off of your thoughts, what would you give it? Oh, man. Um, four out of five. You, you hit right around where Leslie and I, we both landed <laughs> four on a four, out of five. We, we landed at a four point five out of five. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you're right, right in the ballpark. Yeah, it was I mean, it was a very solid film. For Absolutely. All right. So now for for the real reason we're doing this episode, <laughs> uh, if we've given it enough preamble, uh, talking about the Incredible Hulk, the bastard redheaded stepchild of you, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, so this, this film, I think, is very interesting because this was back pre-Disney, pre-Marvel, rebuying the rights. And this was kind of 
an exercise in studio cooperation because you had Paramount doing Iron Man and you had Universal doing Hulk. And uh, we had, of course, the Ang Lee abomination, which I have not revisited in years. uh, And I don't know if I ever will again because it was... I liked it when I saw it in theaters, but at that time I was still like a kid and, you know, I was like, oh, I'm seeing Hulk on the big screen for the first time. But I I, I don't know if I can revisit now um, seeing everything that's been done within the MCU. Uh, so the, the, the biggest disappointments from this film, in my opinion, is that Edward Norton didn't get to continue doing Bruce for the mainline MCU because of much like with Terrence Howard and, and directors that have kind of gone through the revolving door at Marvel. Uh, he had some conflicting issues with them. Uh, and one thing that I think is probably a little known fact is he, uh, Edward Norton contributed to the script on this and, and, you know, helped write the story a little bit. Uh, I, when I see him, I don't see him as a Bruce Banner per se, but I will say he's probably my favorite movie version of Bruce. And this is my favorite movie version of Hulk, which might be unpopular uh, considering. I, uh, and maybe best version of Hulk by look, because I, I the one real criticism of I, I have of him in Avengers is I, I feel like they aped him. And what I mean by that is they they regressed him to be more animalistic instead of mixed uh animalism or brutality or anger with with the human side and so like when he's when he's walking around he's doing more of an ape walk uh he's he's more animal than than man and i i didn't i don't like that because it feels like such a regression especially after having just rewatched this last night this hulk was you know pure like machine or pure rage and but with the hints of that human side to him um, so, and I also like its ties to kind of the, the Hulk TV show because it, it's kind of more grounded in that than the old, you know, test radiation, uh, you know, dro- dropping a nuclear or a gamma bomb in the desert, him getting caught by the radiation and that causing it. Uh, also it, it just never felt like Marvel's really been behind Hulk. Uh, I felt like this movie set up a lot of potential feet, uh, other films and sequels. You have, the, the you know more abomination that can show up you can you tease the leader and we've never seen Samuel Stearns come back and see what master plans he's having uh so yeah it's 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 a film i mean it's i think it's probably the best hulk outing i, I don't know do either one of you agree with me pat you look you got I, I will go out on a limb and say that i Love this movie. (laughs) In in a sense that, like, it was, it was before everything. Right. I mean, other than, like, the original Spider-Man trilogy and, like, other stuff like that. But it, it kind of was, it was its own thing. Like, and I love love Ed Norton. I I think he's also, I'd like to say, too... I mean, in compared to other movies he's done, he's too artsy to do anything like this anymore. Yeah, I could I could agree with you. Well, no. um, but I, I think he did a fantastic job as Hulk. I I think the one thing that I I like about how they styled Hulk for this compared to how they do him now is 
I think that they put a lot of Mark Ruffalo into the character design. Yes. And I don't like that. Whereas this, it's just like, oh, hey, this is Ed Norton and this is Hulk. Well, and, and, and to kind of build off that point uh, a little bit, one of the best things I like about this Hulk is it's Lou Ferrigno doing the doing voice. Boy, yeah. And, yeah. And, for and Avengers, him in the movie as well. well. Yes. Uh, it, well, in, in in Avengers, they they mix it a little bit where it's Mark Ruffalo and Lou Ferrigno, and now it's just full Mark Ruffalo, and I I, I don't like that. And that's not like to to be a hit on Mark Ruffalo or anything. It, it's just like I like you. I like that delineation. I like that it's Ed Ed Norton when he's Bruce, and it's. Hulk when he's Hulk. Like, that's the whole point, is this two different characters inhabiting the same body. Now, yeah. see, I I liked this movie, and I like Ed Norton as Bruce, and I liked Mark Ruffalo's portrayal in The Avengers, but then mm-hmm. since then, I've kind of grown away from it. Like, I feel like it's kind of gotten a little more funny and cartoony. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's performance, not, yes. not Edward Norton. But, like, as it's progressed, I feel like it hasn't, like, gone up. It's kind of plateaued and gone down. But his one performance there in Avengers and then this movie with Ed Norton, I really like. Yeah, well, that's why, like, I call it the, you know, the redheaded stepchild. Because, like, it's... I don't know if it's Feige or if it's just Marvel. They they don't have faith in the character. So, you know, it, it was fine that they replaced Ed Norton. Like, I understand when you have those uh, impasses between actors and, and, and studios that they just can't come to an understanding. And, and whether Mark or whether Ed Norton was right or Marvel was right, like, I, I we can't say anything on that. Um, and I will say, like, Mark Ruffalo looks like a Bruce Banner. Like that's the yeah. one thing that sold me on him in Avengers was like, he's the most Bruce Banner looking, uh, actor versus Ed Norton or Eric Bana. So, you know, that was one thing that made it easier for me to adjust to the change. But like th- this film just does such a good job of, of covering so much ground in, in a very short amount of time with, just quick flashbacks to the... Yeah, I was going to say, I really like the opening credit sequence where they kind of give you the story without having to do the whole origin story. Right. And, and then you get your little ties to S.H.I.E.L.D. and to, to Stark Industries, so you know it's kind of connected to Iron Man. Um, and not to mention, of course, the... the Well, not even really a post credit scene, but the, the end scene. <laughs> um, and... I, I like that it, it paid tribute to the TV show because it's it's very much emulating that. It's emulating mm-hmm. Bruce Bixby, uh, you know, him going and, and just traveling on the run. Um, now, to say with all the all the kind of praise we're giving it, it does have some flaws, uh, some plot holes. Like, I never knew my uh, college uh, computer had some remote encrypting uh, communications <laughs> means to contact someone on the dark web. But, uh, Hey, you know, I didn't always look at what was on those NKU com- computers, but, um, even with those flaws, like this movie is very basic and this might be where, uh, the early Marvel movies are, are probably better. Like I, when you look at them in the letter, li- well, yes, <laughs> but well, when you look at them at the lens of when they released, Iron Man was the highest rated, then Hulk came out and it was like a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cap was 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Thor, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then they all kind of started raising with each sequel, uh, except for Thor Dark World. But, um, you know, and I 
I enjoy this. I enjoyed this more like, cause it was very, it's, it's paint by numbers without being paint by numbers. And it's, it's broken up into very two distinct sections. You know, it's him pre university and then post university. And that's all it deals with. You don't need, it does a good job also of establishing its villain without having to do any extra work. Like, I know we've talked, we even talked about it with Ironmonger and Iron Man, where he was very one dimensional, but you understood everything, even though he was one dimensional. And Blonsky, they do enough without having to do extra work. Like, he's this soldier, he's aging, he doesn't want to age, and he wants to keep fighting. He sees the ease with using the serum. He's um, envious of what power Hulk has. And he wants it and he takes it and then he becomes abomination. So like it's you don't need any more than that. You got his yeah. motivations straight out. And I think Tim Roth does a really good job, too. Um, and, and then also with uh, Thunderbolt Ross, like he, he he's the villain as well, even though he's a little bit more complicated. But he tells you this is this is what I want. It's a weapon. I want to use it. I want to mm-hmm. take advantage of it. And that's all, that's all his motivation is daughter be damned. He's, he's Ahab going after his whale. Um, and I, I like that. Uh, so yeah, this is one of those ones where it's like, I kind of want the Marvel Marvel films to regress a little bit back to that. And that's what worries me with something like Eternals, where it's like, it's maybe trying to be philosophical and grandiose and, thought-provoking and we don't really need that um anyone else got any other thoughts right now the so i don't just ramble on for hours yeah so um another thing is with this being a earlier film like obviously the animation is subpar Mm -hmm. but i think at the time of release and with probably the budget as well it did a good job of making it seem better than it was with like using darker lighting and yeah. such. And I think that that kind of helped it out. The only, the only weak part, there's two weak parts in, in the effects, in my opinion. And that is, uh, when he's changing on the table, because it's obviously, you know, switching between CGI and, and, and practical. Um, and then it's very obvious when they're flying the helicopter through Harlem, like all of that CGI, like it, it's, it's just too, it's very evident. I don't know if it was evident back then, but having watched this on 4k and everything, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you can kind of tell, but I will say that as soon as I put it in, I started it and watching it in 4k, it still looks good. Like the, the 4k, even though it might show a little bit aging in the CGI aspect, it, it was still, it's still a beautiful film to watch. And I think that's what we're saying. Like even with Eternals, like we know cinematography and visual wise, it's going to look great. Um, but story it's lacking a little bit. Now I, I, I believe this has also been officially retconned, but if not, we're, we're, we're saying it here. It also introduces one of the most important characters in the MCU. Does anyone uh, know what I'm talking about? Stanley? No, <laughs> no. Cause he was already introduced. No one. Okay. Peter's teacher. Martin Starr is the college student he gives the pizza to. And oh. Martin Starr is Peter's teacher in, in Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home. Oh, the mustache guy. 
Yeah. Uh, or is it the other long hair? He's the one who like holds the pizza up to him while he's searching on the computer. Cause well, yeah, no, but I'm trying to remember him in, in Spider-Man. Oh, he's the kind of, uh, he's the go- goofy teacher. With the like, glasses. Yes. Yes. Okay. Where he's always like constantly worried about the students. Yeah. Okay. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun connection. Like it was, ne- I don't, it was never intended that way. Much like, when we get to Iron Man 2 and the young kid in the Iron Man mask has been retconned to be Peter Parker, which in retrospect actually makes sense, except for timeline being all all screwy and whatnot. Uh, so, no, I I, I, Just I don't I turn up that. the lights and look at it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, but then, you know, we wouldn't be doing our job. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that, that he's in this and, and in that. And I've heard out like other people who just like try to make that connection as well. It's just like, oh, this is when he was in college and uh, later becomes Peter's teacher. So, um, yeah, I mean, this this film did a lot to set up future films. And that's the most disappointing thing is they've had no faith in the Hulk character since and I, I don't remember this performing poorly. I probably didn't perform as well as Iron Man. Um, and that that's also because you had the bad taste of the Ang Lee Hulk film. Um, so you had people who were kind of spurned from that film who probably weren't ready to just be like, yeah, we're going to jump into another Hulk movie from scratch and it's going to be part of this connected universe and – you know, you got the guy from American History X playing, <laughs> you know, Bruce Banner and and stuff like that. But I, I that's the most disappointing thing is I, I do enjoy this movie and That'd be an interesting crossover. <laughs> what uh, white nationalist uh, Hulk? <laughs> I, I don't I don't think anyone wants to see that movie. <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> um, well, there you go. You got your own parody did, spinoff. Didn't, didn't Marvel do the uh, the what if? <laughs> they, they did. I don't think they uh, they uh, planned that. What if? Probably not. <laughs> um, although they of, did part they, of Red School. They, well, they did. They did uh, in Secret Empire, I believe, make uh, Cap a secret Hydra agent. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's not without the without the realm of possibility. But not with uh, Disney. Well, not with Disney. Yeah, it's true. That's not going on Disney <laughs> Plus. Hey, mom, hard. let's watch this. <laughs> That's like Disney Plus after dark, you know, or something like that. Uh, like HBO used to have that after dark uh, programming. Um, anyways, we're getting off track here. We're <laughs> thanks, thanks. No I, biggest disappointments I, from the movie. Uh, biggest disappointments from the movie. Uh, also, you know, I I feel like Betty is also one who gets cut on the. My biggest disappointment right yeah. there, and I love, uh, I like Liv Tyler as an actress, and so I loved her as Betty. Yes, Betty. Betty's great. And that's another wasted potential is they I I never liked the Hulk Black Widow relationship that they've set up in the MCU. Like I didn't like that either. It it doesn't make sense. It it makes more sense to have Black Widow and Cap be more of an item than it would Hulk and and her. And I understand, like, well, they established that relationship in Avengers and it was, you know, expanding on it further in in, in uh, Age of Ultron and so on and so forth. But it's like it it's not consistent and it doesn't make sense, especially when you have the character of Betty, because that's the one thing that brings Hulk to humanity in this film is Betty. It's what drives him to be more of a protector than a destroyer. It's what gives him the power to overcome abomination in the final fight. Um, and Betty is also what wins Thunderbolt Ross over to be in like, 
all right, we're going to let him go and, you know, let him go back on the run. Like, I'm still going to hunt him down, but we're giving him this shot. And something with Black Widow might have made a little more sense to me if they gave even two minutes to, like, what happened to Betty? Like, are you over her now? Does she move on with that other guy? Or, like, but she was just, like, completely wiped and you're right moving on. And I guess we're all just supposed to forget about it and go on. Well, my hope is um, with the the She-Hulk show that um, maybe we'll get a reintroduction of her. Um, not saying that's going to happen, but I know Mark Ruffalo is going to be in the show. Um, I, I mean, especially considering it deals with his cousin. But um, yeah, it, it, it's a shame, especially since they were able to bring William Hurt back later as Thunderbolt Ross in Civil War and, and moving forward. And I hope... Hope, 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 if we get a Thunderbolts film, we see Red Hulk because it, it, it falls. It, it can take the stuff from this film and push it forward into the MCU and say it's still there and existing because that's the one thing he's always lusted after is having Hulk as the weapon. And if he tests it on himself, especially post game, and using it under the guise of I want to protect the world from another Thanos, it, it all at least ties it together because this is the movie – post in game post Avengers that feels the least connected now because of all of the changes they've made. Like yeah. we, we, the, the closest thing that connects it is Mark Ruffalo saying, well, the last time I was in Harlem, Harlem, I kind of broke it. You know, that's, that's it. You know, <laughs> there's, there's nothing else. We've never seen abomination come back. Uh, we've never seen the leader. We never seen doc Sampson come back. So it, it's just like, that's why I just call it the redhead stepchild. Can't say any, can't say that enough times. Marvel just wants to keep beating it down. <laughs> um, any any other thoughts? Nothing else? Nothing, no, this two shaking heads. <laughs> we went on a long time on, on Iron Man. I guess uh, I guess this is why uh, Marvel has decided not to continue on. I, I, and, you know, they say it's because there's a lack of interest in the Hulk. And I, I don't think that's true. It's just that you've not done anything to try like you didn't even try all the other characters have gotten third films you know yeah, and second hulk, third films hulk has said just had the one so when you want to see him grow more it, yeah. it well <laughs> you know whatever uh when you want to see him you know develop more and become more of a fleshed out character if you want to make me okay with banner hulk in endgame you needed the, that second and third film rather than okay we're going to shoehorn him into Ragnarok and shoe shoehorn in planet Hulk storyline uh, really quickly, even though I like Thor Ragnarok. Don't get me wrong. I'm just just saying that's what they did is they shoved him in there to advance character without putting in the work. And then you go to Endgame and now he's Banner Hulk. And it's like the deleted scene. All, from his, all his development happens off screen, basically. Yeah, well. And they had actually, and I, I was mis, misspeaking there, the deleted scene in Infinity War where he becomes Banner Hulk makes more sense of him becoming Banner Hulk than just, oh, it's been five years, I've worked on it, and blah, 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 blah. Because, like, there you go. You said it. It all happens off screen. Uh-huh. And it's, it's I would have rather spent more time with Thor Ragnarok Hulk where it's a mixture of Banner and Hulk where he's a little bit more intelligent and less animalistic and, and gone a couple movies with that and then gone to Banner Hulk at some point. But they're just jumping the gun and being like, let's just advance it. Let's just burn through his story uh, potential. And I, I think overall the 
the most character development, if I'm not mistaken, you get it in um, the first Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. And from there, it kind of was like not enough screen time. Not like they just kind of pushed him off to the side. Well, they, they gave him a little bit more development in, in age of Ultron as well, because you have him when he goes uh gray Hulk and, you know, rampaging through mm, uh, true. Uh, whatever country they're in, in Africa. Um, and you have him dealing with the aftermath of that. Cause he thought he had Hulk under control. And then, you know, you have him then go off and, the one stupid retcon I have between Age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok, because they say, well, no, his his Quinjet crashed outside, you know, out in the ocean, oh, yeah. like Japan. And then you have it retconned in uh, Ragnarok. Oh, no, he went through a wormhole and ended up on Sakaar. <laughs> it's like um, that, that doesn't How track. Did that unless, happen? Yeah. unless Fury was lying, which, you know, I guess you can say that like he was just trying to put Natasha at ease. But but still, you know, it, it that. That's the thing that bothers me most with watching this film, and it's not a problem of the film. It's the problem of – because we give Feige a lot of praise and forethinking and forethought and planning out. And that's where I just wonder, is is he so anti-Hulk that that's what happened to Hulk? Or was he so disappointed in the performance of this film and then the performance of Edward Norton or whatever uh, that – he was like, you know what? We're we're sidelining him. We're only putting him in uh, the big team up films, and uh, we'll do whatever development we need to do there. Because then it seems counterintuitive to do a She Hulk show, which I'm actually all for. Like I, I love She Hulk, and I, I've I loved her comics. Um, I had the run one of the runs recently in the past few years, where you know it was just like a fun her trying to balance being a super powered human and uh, an attorney, which I think is a really fun aspect because just imagine you know being a hulk in a in a court case you know <laughs> the courtroom <laughs> the the antics can happen but it, it is just it is disappointing that this has never moved past incredible hulk yeah um so i i guess that's going going i mean i could talk about how this was the basis of that one R rpg character oh yeah go ahead went all off go the ahead. rails well, um, I hadn't done any RPG for a long time when Avengers came out, and then I got back involved with the group, and they allowed for original characters because uh, we were a, a group that would play, like, you know, you're Captain America, you're this character, you're whatever. So I created an original character solely based off of this movie and the ending where, you know, Stern has all these vials of blood like before we did the whole Hydra thing or anything, I'm just like, you know, aim a Hydra or somebody's got a hold of it and they make clones because that's what they do in the comics. Right? right. So that was my character. You would not believe the amount of people who just read and like, just watch your RPGs that were so upset with that and how I was inserting myself. And that's so unrealistic. That doesn't happen in the comics, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? What comics do you read? Well, and it literally happens to Stern in the right. film. <laughs> so like, he literally has all the vials of blood and everything like right there. But that was the whole basis for my character was like, they were a clone. And I well, went with you know, it. You, you bring up a very good point with, with, with your with your thought process there, because you, he does have that entire lab full of blood. Yeah. Why? If if Hydra was so infiltrated in the shield, Where's that blood now? Like that, that it's another right. missed story potential, right? You know, right. It, it's just something like unless 
Thunderbolt Ross like got all of it and is hoarding it in some secret basement, you know, uh, at his home Somewhere. or something. And that's that's where I'm like, I want to see Red Hulk. Like they they kind of thought he might show up in Civil War, and then they thought he might show up in like Infinity War or Endgame. But if they do um, do do a Thunderbolts uh, film, that that's what they've got to do. Um, but uh, it. Continue on with your story. Sorry, I interjected. Oh, no, I mean, that's I mean, that's pretty much the story is like, <laughs> I mean, the group, I mean, we did have to like have planned a progression for the character and like no single character could like outpower the canon characters. So like we have a whole like thing planned out to go, but it was just so funny because, you know, the group I and mean, we can role play back and forth and, but it was the people who were watching that were so upset or the people who were, you know, would listen or just like read the stories, the transcript that were so like, you know, and you're just inserting yourself and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, isn't everybody just inserting themselves? Like we're playing a game here, people like this is not something. (laughs) The point, the whole, the whole idea of this. Well, it's like me playing uh, Yakuza right now and going, yeah, I don't care for this character, the main character, because he kills people. It's like, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm investing myself in, I'm inserting myself into his story and investing myself into it to figure out, why why he's this complicated character, why he's doing this task or that task. Yeah, so, but that was the whole basis of, the, they come back later, even in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we talked about it, like, I think after recording one time, how, what's it, Isaiah was like, they have all those vials and stuff oh, yeah. they just injected us with. I'm like, see, I have validation. <laughs> that is for- one, one point in this film that, does feel slightly inconsistent because like when you when he pulls out that vial like the name of the doctor that worked on it obviously isn't erskine it's like reinstein or something like that and that might have to deal just with the fact that universal was you know didn't necessarily have the rights to captain america uh or something like that but oh that does make me think of another another point have either one of you seen the alternate opening to this film no no really okay so they actually he they use it in Avengers a little bit it's where he talks about, you know, he got so low that he put a, a gun in his mouth and the other guy spit it out. The alternate opening is Ed Norton going. Uh, he's getting dropped off by a trucker. He's in. I would assume it's Canada, but uh, it's some winter land type place. He goes out and he's got a gun. He goes to kill himself and he changes into Hulk mid go. But when he does whatever, like Hulk hit or whatever, uh, the, the shock wave actually pushes up a piece of ice and it's caps body in ice. So oh. it's inconsistent with everything else, but it's still like a cool, like little nod note and everything like that. And that leads us also, we didn't really kind of talk about it, but this was the next big moment of like post credits or mid credit scenes that you know we're now used to with the marvel films where you have thunderbolt ross just sitting there wallowing in his you know misery and 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 stark walking in and uh being the consultant a very young a very young well yes danny jr to be fair it was compared to now it was like 13 years ago so like (laughs) Um, big difference but, you know, the nice little jabs of, uh, you know, I hear you have an interesting problem. Uh, you should you should talk. You wear all those nice suits. And uh, <laughs> but this also ties into Iron Man 2 when, you know, Fury. This is why I tend to watch Iron Man 2 first, because Fury signs him in as the consultant at the end of that film. 
And then, of course, we've with the one short, you know, the consultant short, we find out that this was meant to sabotage uh, using Abomination as a member of the Avengers. Like, because they, they're sending the most obnoxious man to Ross <laughs> to propose using Abomination for Avengers that they're like, nah, we're just going to keep him locked away or whatever. Um, so I, I love this tradition that these early films started with these like little teaser bits and stuff that, uh, you know, it makes you want to sit through the credits and makes you want to know what's going on. Again, it's that, it's that hook thing that, that Eternals is missing. It's, it's that thing that makes you want to see that next film. And, um, that's where I can see why people who are done with, uh, you know, the MCU now, uh, for whatever reason, like Endgame was their final film because Endgame doesn't have any post credits thing. So it's like there's it's a good stopping point if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice in cap. Yeah. So so if the other movies end up being trash, you can just be like, you know what? <laughs> don't exist. Right. Well, and then you can always <laughs> use like kind of far from home to be a little bit of a an epilogue, except that it has that hook at its, you know, thing with Jay Jonah coming in there and revealing the identity of Spider-Man, which I cannot wait for the third Spider-Man film. I haven't seen the second one. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, spoiler. But how have you not seen it yet? I thought we've talked about this. Nope. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've chastised you in the past before for not having watched it. Yeah, I'll All get around right. to it. Well, hey, you know I'm on vacation this weekend, so you know I'm making you watch it. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, so I promised in the last one that I would not give my score first because I stole Leslie's thunder uh, in the last MCU franchise review. So, Leslie, what would you score this? Um, for me, just remembering the nostalgia and everything, I would probably give this just a four out of five. I feel like Iron Man got a four and a half out of five just for more action, more intense, more like really pulled you in where I can see where you either liked Hulk or you didn't, you know, and I don't actually think I went to the theater and saw this. I'm pretty sure I saw it just like DVD release later. So for me, this was a four out of five, a lot of disappointing things they set up and never followed through with, but I like the nostalgia factor of it. It's, one of those movies, like, you associate with certain food in your mind. Like, when I'm watching this movie, I think about Chipotle because that's what I was eating. <laughs> and I'm like, I need a burrito bowl. I need to sit down, you know, and get comfortable and watch this. But I liked it. So four out of five. All right, Pat, you? Uh, let's see. So if I gave Iron Man four, I guess I would give this, like, a three, seven, five. Oh, yeah. yeah, now you're really splitting hairs. <laughs> Put some hairs here. Okay, and, and just because you gave Iron Man a higher score? Yeah, I mean, it's a better movie. <laughs> it's a better movie. <laughs> like, I can't. But I, I very much enjoy it. Yeah. So. Well, uh, Leslie, this week you stole my thunder. So, uh, I, I, <laughs> Finally, I my four. turn. <laughs> I, I give a four as well. Uh, for pretty much the same reasons, like it, it does have its moments where like I, I knew while I was watching, I was like, OK, I can read a little couple pages in my book here because this is the the lull moments, you know, the, the the dramatic stuff of like Betty finding out he's back in town and, uh, you know, the the quick like little romance scene. And then he's like, ah, I can't do it because my heart's beating too fast. Uh, the little comedic bit where she's going off on the uh, 
the cab driver and he's like, well, you know, I know some breathing exercises to manage that anger. Um, so, you know, you, there are those like little moments where it, it does kind of drag a little bit where you're like, I want more Hulk. I want more Hulk. Uh, but it is it is a good film and it, it is disappointing to see that it's kind of relegated to the low end of the MCU. And, and again, I, I just don't like that they've kind of mistreated the character of Hulk after Avengers, because I don't feel like they did so much in Avengers. But like you said, every kind of subsequent film has just been kind of plateau relegating him to a side yeah. character. Um, so that I think is going to do it for this week. Um, I don't know if we'll have any intermediate episodes, uh, except for I know Loki is about to premiere soon, so we might get an episode in recorded on that beforehand. Um and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it um iron man 2 is next iron man 2 will be our next mcu franchise review episode pat may join us for that one depending on when we get that scheduled it might be within two weeks or it might be next month like we kind of originally <laughs> planned two, uh, years two, two years from now uh that's that's when you're gonna get spider-man far from home watched is two exactly. years from now um but yes, yeah, so, uh, we hope you guys have been enjoying this series. Um, we, we're having really fun re- revisiting these older films and rewatching them and uh, kind of talking about our experiences. I, like you, I, I don't think I watched this in theaters. I think I did wait till it was released on DVD. Uh, and I kind of regret that now because I think I would have enjoyed it quite a bit in the theater. But uh, the usual spiel now, you know, if you're not following us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Critics NT Cynics um, and on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. Uh, you can write into the podcast at Critics Not Cynics at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts about the MCU and, and, and these films. Uh, we'd like to read some of those online or on air uh, if you have any. And, um, you know, share share the podcast out with your friends and family. If you like what we're doing here, uh, I think we have a really cool approach to film and, uh, follow the podcast on whatever podcast app you use. We've, we're on iTunes, uh, Podbean, Spotify, Google play, audible, Amazon music, basically wherever you get your podcast, there's no excuse to not follow and, uh, leave us a rate and review. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next time.